0: Blink
1: and it's gone. A moment, a breath, a dance of the mayflies. Just enough for a lifetime. Welcome you once again to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. and I'm Ryan Mizaka. And Ryan, I, I'm noticing something about your outfit here. Yeah. Uh, looks like you're in a bit of a is that a beekeeper outfit? Well, I'm just taking some precautions. Precautions, huh?
0: Well, you know, I mean, with the, the Zika virus is really in the news right now, so I'm just kind of yeah
1: trying to protect myself. So yeah, I'm just uh just all covered up. Okay. Um... Because we're talking about this week, Dance of the Mayflies. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah, Dance of the Mayflies, and with all this in the news and everything, I just... But
1: you know that's mosquitoes, right, that transmit Zika?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like, we're talking about the mosquitoes, these mayflies, mayfly mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Well,
1: you know it's not the same thing.
0: No, I know, because the mayflies are those great big giant mosquitoes that always come in when you open the door. They fly in at night, hover right. around up above right. your bed and wait for you to fall asleep so they can come down and
1: suck your blood. And... Not the same thing. Huh? Not the same thing. No, I know. They're bigger. They're... No, but they're not mosquitoes and they don't transmit the virus. And and we're talking mayflies, something totally different than the mosquitoes that transmit Zika. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. Okay, I'm going to have to do a Google search. <laughs> okay. You want to give me a second? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Tell you what, I'll I'll go check on that. And why don't you just go ahead and do trivia
1: while I'm while I'm checking on that. Okay, I'll, I'll do that then. Right. But like I said, uh, this is uh, episode 37, Dance of the Mayflies. And by way of fun facts, I have uh, a few of them here. Um, the story is, of course, by Ashley e. M- Edward Miller.
0: Okay, Google. Are mayflies the same thing as mosquitoes?
1: <laughs> they did the story, but interestingly enough, it's actually written by Robert Hewitt Wolfe. And so I thought we had something interesting here, maybe one of those... Uh, post-production type deals where wolf had done the, the 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 writing of this story before it actually went into production and then he got canned and then the story was made is that's the only thing i can guess as to why he would have the writing credit yeah on makes, this particular that episode.
0: makes sense but i um, sorry i don't mean to interrupt you but you were right so i'm just going to go ahead and take this stuff off real quick yeah you do that so, uh, if you'll excuse me just a moment i've got it go ahead and yeah. continue okay you,
1: you got this yeah i got this yeah. Uh, also, the episode is directed by J. Miles Dale And his other work, uh, more recently, includes being a producer for 2012's The Val* And also 2010's Scott Pilgrim vs. The World
0: Oh, it's hot in there
1: Now, Dale is going to return one more time in order to direct another episode of Andromeda In season three's The Unconquerable Man So we'll look for his uh, directing credit uh, a- again in the next season now, there are a number of extras in this episode. Allison, or Allie Warren, is one of them. She played the dying woman that uh, Dylan uh, shuts the eyes of at the first of the episode. She did a fantastic job. Uh, that's probably later. We Wonderful. should talk about that later. <laughs> we should later. talk about that later. Okay. Yeah, hold that. Put sorry. a pin in that. I'm sorry. I... Um, and she has a number of credits in uh, Canadian, really, North American television and uh, um, made for TV movies. Uh, also, we have Jessica Amley. She plays the little eight-year-old girl or she was eight at the time, she plays the little girl, that uh, Rami rescues off of the drift. And she, too, has a long list of credits stretching all the way until uh, today. Um, now, we had a number of extras for the bokor, or the, the, the zombies, I guess, as you would refer to to them, since this was, this was the zombie episode. Uh, Brand Taylor, Christopher Sumpton, Angela Udetta, all of note because of their extensive credits uh, in North American television. And then finally, we have Janice Jawd returning as she lends her voice as the Bokor that inhabits Trance, the, the Bokor spokeswoman. Hmm. I guess if it's mm-hmm. not even it's not even listed as that on the credit, but that's what we're going to call it. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the return of Janice Jod. And and you remember she has played a number of Than uh, in the series up to this point. Uh, Has she played all of the Than? She has played all of the Than Hmm. voices in the the series so far. And then finally, a little information on mayflies or shadflies. They are aquatic insects that belong to the order of Ephemoptera, And this order is part of an ancient group of insects termed Peleoptera, which also contains dragonflies and damselflies. There are over 3,000 species of mayfly known worldwide, grouped into over 400 genera in 42 families. Now, the adult mayfly has a very short lifespan, anywhere from half an hour to a few weeks long, depending on the species. And due to that brevity of life, the mayfly adults have been noted by naturalists and encyclopedists since classical times. And so that is what I've got for our fun facts for this segment. All right. A little bit of education. Mm-hmm. A little bit of uh, trivia there for you. Yep. Uh, science. Science. Mm-hmm. Because science. Exactly. And you look like you're out of your suit. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You I'm, comfortable? I'm out. You good? Oh, man, yeah. I'm okay. a lot more comfortable. Tailed off a little bit there. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Uh, you have a summary for us. I do. How about you go into that?
0: All right, Dance of the Mayflies. Trying to save survivors of a drift in distress, the Andromeda crew takes the still living on board as the Than have arrived to finish things off. Once aboard Andromeda, they flee as the Than are now attacking them. Of the survivors, the unconscious die, and the conscious go unconscious, and then die. Becca appears to also be infected with what they determine to be a biological weapon. As the Andromeda flee the fan and hide behind a large asteroid to attempt repairs, the dead become, well, undead, and begin trying to attack the crew. It's not actually a biological weapon at all. It's an alien species that spread through spores, apparently spread from mouth to mouth. Trance is infected, who then infects Dylan. The effect takes immediate hold of of Trance's body, and she seems to act as the mouthpiece for the species. Meanwhile, the other undead are doing Harper's job of fixing the ship, as they also want to get away from the attacking Than. Harper observes that an electric shock kills them. Like, really kills them. For good. So naturally, a force lance at setting 8 should do the trick. Which it does. Led by Dylan, they make quick work of killing the dead people. Even Trance has to die. But it's okay. She gets better. And then she figures out a way to use nanobots... Which, when injected into the infected, Dylan and Becca, being the only ones still alive, would deliver just the right shock to the alien inhabitants. A mission log to the Than explaining what happened, and everything is cool. Except for Rami, being devastated at the realization that someday, Dylan will die. The end.
1: Very good. Very succinct. Uh, to that point, mm-hmm. that was very... Very succinct. Yeah, it was. compared for, to previous uh, episodes that we've done.
0: Yeah, seemed to go a lot quicker, didn't it?
1: Yeah, was that by design? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This Why is, don't we uh, talk about that?
0: Okay, so this is going to be a little thing that we're going to start doing from now on. Um, we've decided that rather than having two full pages of summary, blow by blow, we could scene. Just, by scene. yeah, we could just, uh, just sum it up in about a paragraph or so.
1: Yeah, and, and so uh, and so our thought on that was that for you, the listener. Uh, you have a little bit of a homework assignment. That's right. So
0: we're not going to uh, detail every single thing that, that happens in these episodes for you anymore. So if you want to keep up with us, you're going to have to watch the episodes there yourself. You go. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure everyone is. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't think of, of not doing their homework before no. listening.
1: No. So. But uh, if there's a detail or something that we talk about that you've perhaps missed because you just didn't watch the episode, we highly recommend that you go back and watch the episodes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, But you do have a, um, uh, a synopsis of what happened. Mm-hmm. So right. with that in mind, let's continue on with our discussion. All right. Observations. What do you think? What were some things that stood out to you in this episode?
0: You know, what, I was just really happy um, because after everything that we saw that happened here on Earth about 3,000 years ago. Um, in universe, I was really glad to see that Ra finally found a new body.
1: (laughs) Uh, is this a Stargate reference? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's what I thought. Very, very good. Yeah. (laughs) So the voice. Yeah. Of trance of the boat. When she was right. Yeah. I alluded to that was Janice Jaw that did the voice for that. (laughs) Mm hmm. Um, yeah did did you did you feel some of that a little bit of a raw vibe yeah, Oh yeah yeah okay. I did it was um it was creepy Yeah probably creepier than the actual zombies Yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, Personally I what stood out to me is is you know, at the very outset we had the the klaxon going in the background and I'm just wondering because I, I thought it was just on the drift you hear it briefly on Andromeda also after the self destruct has been set. And I'm just wondering, are they on a drift, or are they on a spaceship, or are they diving in a Nazi U-boat? <laughs> <laughs> because that klaxon is like the old-timey air horn type klaxon mm-hmm. sound. And I'm like, eh, really? That's what they're going to do? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, 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 would, I would expect 3,000 years from now something a little more, you know,
0: modern sounding, maybe. Well, didn't we have those in our submarine fight? A few episodes back. I think we did. Yeah. Something
1: like that. I don't know. It just lets you know. <laughs> right. Warning. Uh-huh. Instead of having a robot going, danger, danger, you know, yeah, yeah. we're just going to have the on going in the background.
0: Well, you'll take it seriously. I mean, a, a robot going around going, danger, danger, it's kind of cartoony. Well, you either think you're being attacked by it or,
1: or it's cartoony. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Um. Always leave it to uh, Harper to keep our modern day references. Uh, alive. I think we he, have the same
1: thing written. down. He yeah. had
0: quite a few of them. Yeah, uh, at least two that I have written down. Okay, go. Um, he's fallen. Can't
1: get up. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder how many of our listeners actually still remember. Well, I guess if they're watching Andromeda, I'm sure they remember the the old commercials too. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. But well, I, I somehow I feel like that joke is lost on anyone under the age. Of 20. Do you think so? I think so.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, people still say it enough that I think it's it's kind of one of those things that's become part of our culture. But unless you remember the commercial, you're probably right. You don't know why it's there. Yeah, you don't know why that's so funny.
1: Yeah, right. No, yeah. that's what that's what I wonder is how uh-huh. many how many people hear that nowadays, mm-hmm. and they they're like, okay, they, there's no there's no memory mm-hmm. of of where that actually came from yeah and why that is so funny
0: uh there was another one did you catch
1: it um i yeah, i i thought it was nice product placement uh for the off company Oh, <laughs> Mits- citronella? Mits- citronella citronella yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's right i didn't write that down but yeah I was I mean, thinking that, that about was what one i, one I wrote down oh okay
1: was, yeah you know nice to know 3000 years from now it's still the best working product for bug repellent yeah
0: yeah, it works on Than. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we also
0: have a uh, classic Warner Brothers quote that uh, Harper is still using three thousand years in the future. Old Bugs Bunny. What's up, Doc? What's up,
1: Doc? Yep, I caught that one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good old Harper. He mm-hmm. knows his. He knows his Earth history. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it. Yeah, he he specifically loved. The late 20th, early 21st century. Oh, he really did. And and it's obvious by the references. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he saw that commercial. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Whatever Mm -hmm. passes for YouTube 3,000 years from now, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably still got it floating around out there. It's probably YouTube. (laughs) YouTube 3,000. Yeah.
0: YouTube, microwaves, and citronella. Yep. Yep. They're going to uh, go right on
1: through to the future. And roaches. And Twinkies, right? Those are those will be the things that survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it, I, I? I'll ask you this: that little girl that we saw at the outset, okay. and, and I forget the actress's name already. I've got it right here. Um, Jessica Amley was the actress that that played that the little girl that Rami rescues on the drift. But I would like to say or ask: Did, did it seem like that little girl was making an awful lot of noise, even though her body language and facial expressions? didn't indicate she was making any noise whatsoever i i I thought i'm watching it and i'm thinking the sound guy is putting an awful lot of Hmm. of noise for this little girl in Mm -hmm. here and it it just it didn't the actress was not making those motions like she would be making those noises
0: kind of sounds like magog larva (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you know what? I, I can't fault them too much. I know I've been guilty of doing that on this show. I've overproduced a little bit. <laughs> it, yeah, yep. it happens. Hand up over here. <laughs> so I have a question about, uh, I guess, I guess getting into the uh, the zombies a little bit. Is that what we're going to call them? Dude, are, are they just zombies? Well, it's just Yes, this is the zombie episode. So when we actually see the zombies for the first time... And I don't mean just the, the corpses or the bodies of the ones brought over, but the first time we actually see the reanimated bodies. Oh, when they zip open the bag? When they're unzipping the bags.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm wondering, why do those body bags have a double-sided zipper? <laughs> Does this happen a lot? <laughs> Do do they they mean they need to have something in there so someone can get out yeah. if they're like mistakenly put in there? Yeah, I mean, because
1: because this isn't this isn't the old British Navy where you had to stick a, a sewing needle through the sailor's nose to be assured that they were dead. You know, you stitched them up in their canvas and then you put the last the last stitch went through the nose. And that was to make sure that they were in fact dead and not just you know Okay, sleeping. so what does the stitch through the nose do? Does, it wakes them up. So why don't they make that the first stitch? <laughs> Point. Okay. But I'm saying this is this is the modern day uh, equivalent to that. Make it a double-sided zipper so that if they wake up, mm-hmm. they can let themselves out. Okay. Well, I think this here's
0: fault in that logic. If someone wakes up inside one of those body bags, maybe we don't want them to let themselves out. (laughs) Um, Maybe they should. There should be a little call button inside there. Okay. Um. Excuse me, nurse. There's a problem. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm not dead yet. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say there's a Monty Python (laughs) reference
1: in there somewhere.
0: Uh huh. Of course. I mean, I guess they do have uh, most modern day. Trunks have latches on the inside. You can pop them open True. from the inside now. Yeah, that's a whole,
1: that's a whole government safety feature now. Right.
0: I mean, if you've got bodies in the trunk, this is,
1: I don't know, this is this is going bad. But,
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're a body in the trunk and you wake up, you want to be able to get out. Right. Right? Right. I'm so just that's saying. That, that, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's why you have the double-sided zipper. All right. It just seems strange on a body bag to me.
1: Yeah. Because it's not like they could just... Move the fabric and go. Right. Hey, hey, right. Of course, the the hallway was empty. Yeah, but someone's going to come down
0: there eventually. Rami's surveillance is probably going to see it eventually.
1: Yeah, the little robots are going to pick them up, and mm-hmm. the robot's going to be, "Hey, ship, mm-hmm. <laughs> this one's moving." <laughs> right. Of course, not very long because if the oxygen supply is cut off. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we could we could go the rest of the night with this discussion. You want to do that? No. Let's, oh, okay. Well, it might be more interesting than the zombies. <laughs> it might be. Uh, honestly, it, um, you know, I, I've made mention of of costumes. Uh, I, so for some reason, I'm not a fa- fashion person, but costumes on this show have stood out to me okay. at different times. Uh, Beck is in a new costume. Mm-hmm. I noticed that for this episode. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm actually wanting to bring up here is the fact that I would believe Dylan as a captain more. And honestly, I think Tyr would probably respect him as captain more if he didn't dress like he was waiting to join a pickup game of basketball. Well, he is. <laughs> you know, he's, he's always going down there to the basketball hoop just waiting for someone to come by. I know, but... Uh, he he was rescuing people on the drift. Okay, in his basketball jersey, shirt. Okay, his his sleeveless black basketball t shirt. You never know when you're going to get the call. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that Dylan's thing? The Commonwealth thing is his fallback. What he's really waiting for is for the Galactic NBA to call him up. Well, sure. I mean,
0: Harper's got surfing, and so Dylan's got basketball. Okay, he wants to be on the the, the next dream team. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: If he can't play in the Andromeda Galaxy, there's always Triangulum. Oh yeah, that's like going over to the European exactly. Basketball League. <laughs> you know, it's it's lower level, but uh-huh. you know they 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 play over there. Yeah, and you they, never they know. Maybe
0: someday game. someone will notice you. You get a break. Yeah, you get called mm-hmm.
1: into the Milky Way or the uh, the Andromeda Galaxy.
0: Mm-hmm. So when they figure out how the spores are transmitted, um, it, it it stands to reason. Dylan wants to warn the rest of the crew, right? Right. Okay. I thought it was kind of funny, though. He says, uh, Shipwide, this is Hunt. Who else is going to be using Shipwide? Yeah. Um, I think they all know Dylan's voice, right?
1: At this point, it's not like you have more than five or six people. Right. That you can match that voice up to. I
0: don't think Dylan's going to say, hey, don't let him get by your face, which is also another funny observation. Um don't let them get by your face i don't think Tears standing up there on command going harper is that you (laughs) yeah i thought it was silly yeah yeah but how about that uh don't let
1: them get by your face do we really need to be told that they're the walking undead Mm -hmm. probably the first place that you would keep them away from (coughs) is your face that's just my thought because if they're not trying to kiss you and transmit spores, not that we knew that was going to be happening to begin with. Mm-hmm. What do zombies go for the first thing anyway? Brains. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, the head area. hmm You know, the, it's a given. You keep them away from that area. Right. Um, that kind of brings me to another point.
0: I'm okay. not sure if I should save this for later, but so we were talking about Harper. He seems to know all of this ancient Earth history. And even even the fiction and fantasy of, of Ancient Earth, don't you think he's familiar with zombie stories? Oh, absolutely. He's got to be. Yeah. He's got to be just, just crazy filthy with them, right? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> but they figure out that the way to kill these things is to, uh, to shock them. Yeah. Okay? Shouldn't Harper already know, how do you kill a zombie?
1: Well, I thought it was a, uh, a stake to the head or that, something. That's a vampire. It's
0: through the heart. Through the
1: heart. Okay. <laughs> you
0: gotta destroy their head. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, why are they giving them all these body shots with the force lances? Oh,
1: yeah, I see your point. Just turn
0: it up, pop them in the head,
1: blow the head off. Exactly. Because isn't problem it, solved? Didn't we establish at some point during the show that it was had something to do with the nervous system? Yeah. And it it all ends in the brain. Mm-hmm. So that's where the parasites are. Focused or or localized. Yeah, absolutely. So blow the head off. Right. Yeah. Duh. So
0: even, you know, mythologically (laughs) or scientifically, either way, it works. Yeah. Blow up the head. Yeah, and it can't function.
1: Right. Okay. I just think think they should have known that. I don't think they can do that on this television show. What, blow up people's heads? Yeah, this is 2002. You think people would have been offended by that? I I think so. (laughs) I think so. Uh, X Files pushed it. A lot and made waves
0: yeah, i mean that was really close i don't know where the year it was released but that was really close to the time of uh Shaun of the dead that is true
1: yeah it did seem like the early 2000s there was this whole wave of zombie there was a lot of zombie and stuff and, yeah. going on so yeah it stands to reason that that's why we got this episode here mm-hmm.
0: too and i didn't check to see the air date on this I don't
1: february know. it was not a halloween, not a halloween I, I know that shocked okay. me yeah because i thought that's what we were going to be talking oh, did about. you
0: survive the shock
1: <laughs> I did. Oh, good. It wasn't quite level eight. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was a level seven shock. That's right. It hurt, but we're good. Yeah, I'm still here. (laughs) I want to know just exactly what is the temperature on the Andromeda? Is it really cold in there? Is it like a meat locker or what's going on?
1: I'm sure certain areas. Or is it really
0: hot in there? Why? Because either way, I'm wondering, I want to know, they have not been on the run from the fan for a very, very long time. Right? Mm hmm. Okay, but all of the corpses that are walking around, Andromeda says that they're all at room temperature. They're, oh, yeah. Their core body temperature is all the way down to room temperature.
1: Yeah. That happened awfully fast, didn't it? It did, because as they were rescuing him, they were still alive, weren't they? Mm hmm. Yeah. So they've all now died. Mm-hmm. They've had a chance to cool down. Mm hmm. But, yeah, not much time has passed, has it?
0: I don't think they're down to room temperature <laughs> unless it's really hot on the Andromeda. Because ha- I I don't... I mean, if it's if we have the heat on in here and it's 98 degrees, I could say my core temperature is room
1: temperature. Right? <laughs> right. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've watched enough crime shows, so yeah. I'm by no means an expert. Yeah. But, from what I do remember from crime shows, is it takes a number of hours mm-hmm. for the heat to finally filter out of the body to where it is actually room temperature. yeah, they can take so the yeah,' we're liver talking temperature and they five, can five six hours. fine time of death. yeah, 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 I learned that on NCIS. oh, yeah, yep,
0: there you go. There's something.
1: <laughs> All right, so let's move this along then, Ryan. okay, uh let's move on to uh what well, what did we actually learn about the Andromeda galaxy? That we're watching here. What are some of the points that stood out to you for that? Well, I guess one thing we learned is that there's this species called the Bocor
0: Bocor, which uh, which spread through spores,
1: and have the voice of Ra.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, when inhabiting trance. We,
1: yeah. The yeah. rest of them don't really talk. They seem to be mute, don't they? Yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Do is they? It... Do they grunt? <laughs> I don't think so.
0: Because a couple of those guys yeah. look like grunters,
1: but they, yeah, there, there was no grunts. noise, no. Okay, um, but yeah, that was that was interesting that it would only talk when inhabiting trance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just wondering, was there something in the writing that alluded to, to why that was, and we just, you know, it didn't make it on air, or no. is that just because trance?
0: Well, I think yes, the latter. I think <laughs> because, because trance. Yeah, and and I think we're going to talk about trance quite a bit a little bit later i think, so, I think because of because largely because of because this. of the bokor yeah and just the effect that they had on her body yes um but you know, the, the other thing about them is it, through trance they mentioned that they have all of the memories and knowledge of every shell that they have ever inhabited yeah um here's my question it sounds borgish Yes, I actually have written in my notes, Trance equals Locutus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that was supposed to be a side point. Thanks for bringing it to the floor. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I thank you for doing it. So I didn't have to. Right, right.
1: <laughs> Saved you from another Star Trek reference. Yeah.
0: Um, but I, yeah, do they act as a hive mind? Are they somehow telepathically connected yeah. as well? Yeah. Because if not, then all they're doing is The the spores from this shell um, goes on to the next shell, and it continues to carry on all of the memory and the thoughts from all of the previous shells that it it has That it had directly inhabited. Yeah. Right. And and then it just kind of continues on. just kind of branches. And eventually, I mean, it it spreads. Mm -hmm. So you've got millions and millions of these beings all with the same memories of its ancestors. Yeah. Kind of like the the Hygira. remember the Hygira? Yeah, from the Devil Take the From High that Most. one planet,
1: yes. With the father, what? No, Thaddeus, Thaddeus Blake, right? And Rev, wow, I Rev remember
0: Bem, that. uh Ended up spawning a whole new a whole litter of kittens. Uh, uh, <laughs> ugly, ugly that's, kittens. That's that's a very good way to put it. Thank you. Um, yeah, but they had that genetic memory. Yeah, and so now. This this Bokor race evidently has the same kind of thing, but the way she was saying or the way she was describing this, it doesn't sound like it's just it's passed down through the generations.
1: No, it, you're right, and, and that brings me to, to to the question that I have okay. because I I I see what you're saying about the generational memory, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's what she's referring to. Mm-hmm. I think she, I think we're talking about telepathic link, and when when you take a look in the context of um, all the corpses throughout the ship doing different things to fix the ship mm-hmm. that would require a kind of a central or a shared intelligence, right? That's what that indicated to me. Okay, so when she says all the memory of the last fifty thousand years of existence of all the shells they've inhabited, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that all of that is shared by every Bokor parasite, or yeah. So I think we're talking hive mind. Mm-hmm. Now the question I have is this. Um, she indicates, uh, the Bokor spokeswoman through trance, she says, spokesperson, spokesperson. <laughs> so yeah, politically correct there. It they, they says, we're going to help you live beyond a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. My question is, how do you do that when you're a corpse already? Because you're decomposing. You're not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Is it only by the fact that they're just going to co-opt your memory? Is that it? It doesn't sound like there's any consciousness that goes on and lives beyond. So they're just taking your body, ending your life, and then just remembering what you remembered up to that point. Mm. That's what it sounds like. So it's not really... It sounds like a hollow promise. Mm, Well,
0: I mean, I think it's definitely hollow in the sense that they're going to keep you alive forever. Either way, you're you're dead. You're dead. You're as, soon as, as soon as they take over your body, you're dead. Yeah. Even even beyond just the body. Because with the body I'm wondering if uh, if it's kinda like I'm gonna do it again, Star Trek with the spores, um, they they kept the bodies living, they kept the bodies safe, continued to regenerate. Uh, maybe they do that sort of thing. Didn't uh, look like it though. But otherwise, then what are they going to do when these shells rot? Yeah. Do they have to? They're not. That's why they have to keep spreading. Yeah, but what do what do the beings the, the the actual parasites that is inside, let's say Becca, for example, what are what are they planning on doing when Becca's body decomposes and rots away? Well, that's the
1: thing is is maybe that particular parasite itself dies. Dies. But the memory of it is shared by the rest of the community. And maybe that's the thing. That's, maybe that's the thing about their existence. Is, it's not necessarily the, the, the parasite that comes out of the spore that lives on that's important. It's the continued knowledge of existence. Does that make sense? So are any of them as individual parasites
0: actually individuals? I don't think so. They're all basically just like other limbs they 're just appendages yeah. of a much greater thing,
1: yeah, which I
0: guess makes this kind of an interesting species, and so this thing is just spread out over galaxies this one it's not a species, it's a being it is a yeah well yeah it's a shared consciousness it's yeah. one
1: giant massive being spread out over galaxies, yes, yeah. and you know what there's precedent for this not not in consciousness but in in what is it up in uh, Washington or Oregon or maybe both states? Oh, Sasquatch. No, not Sasquatch. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> okay. That discussion aside. Okay. All there's right. uh, the, the the trees uh, oh. where they discovered that there was one tree with, or I'm sorry, not a tree, but a fungus that exists over like a 50 square mile area. The the fungus has grown out to that that level, that degree, mm-hmm. where it covers almost fifty square miles, but it's one. It, it comes from one fungus plant living in that that large area. So that's what the bokor sound like to me is a large fungus spores, okay, um, that just spreads itself as far as and far as as far and wide as it possibly can, just sharing uh, the consciousness of everything that it takes over. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Just one quick side point, uh,
0: the, Borg comparis- the Borg comparison, mm-hmm. there was some uh, Borg-like behavior when they're trying to fix the ship, the one gets zapped, kills over dead, the others just take over. Yeah. I mean, there's no acknowledgement as to the fact that their comrade has fallen. Yeah. They just scoot over and it's their turn. Yep. Much like a Borg would
1: do. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, it just helps me to think that the individual or the individual parasites, their existence is not that important. Mm-hmm. So if they keel over or whatever, it doesn't matter as long as the goal of the whole is carried out. That's what's important,
0: right? Okay, because when they when they are killing them all off, and Dylan brings that to trance raw's attention <laughs> you know her 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 response is just yeah it's a minor setback yeah not a big deal right we're not worried about this right okay okay so yeah i see what you're i see what you're saying it could be yeah, okay oh i have one last thing before we move on from the Bocor. um they're attacking everyone on the ship that they can get to they're trying to attack them kissy face yes Yes, which we know that really makes Dylan uncomfortable anyway, yeah, yeah. understandably in this situation. Right. Um, they're also going after Becca. Several times they try to go after Becca, and the other crew members have to fend them off. I'm wondering, did their hive mind forget that one of them already infected
1: Becca? I guess so. Or maybe they just wanted to add more parasites just to overcome the... the- defense that she was putting up maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there is any defense. No, there's not. She was losing anyway. Yeah. And they were still coming after her. She was laying unconscious. Yeah. In that
0: room where Dylan had left her and they were still coming after her. Dylan had to had to shock one of them. Kill it, kill the dead thing.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, well, I I think that's probably just the the shortcoming of of the production of this show is the fact that it was Let's make this as scary as possible for all the crew and forget the fact that we've already infected that one crew member, but That's we still t- need to put them in danger.
0: That's kind of important. She's in danger already. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's in the worst kind of danger. What are they going to do to her? They can't do anything. They're going to infect her worse. Oh, man. <laughs> and I guess we I didn't mention it in the summary, but I guess I, I should probably mention how Becca got infected in the first place. Being on the drift. Well, she was giving the one victim
1: mouth, mouth to mouth. mouth. That's right.
0: Yeah. Now, I didn't catch that until the second time through because I remember thinking, how did Becca get infected? Yeah. And then when I watched it again, I was like, oh, right there. Boom. There it is. Yeah. She's getting infected right now. I'm watching it happen. This is gross.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the Bocor. That's the Bocor. Yeah. Uh,. Okay, moving on from that. Okay, uh, something that I think we learned a little bit more about. Okay, um, we've seen the fan in fleet action before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget which episode it is. It's the one where Tier was on the um, Nietzschean, I forget which pride it was that had the asteroid with the big, you know, oh, mass cannon. Orca pride. Orca pride. Yeah. 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 Um, it that was in that a episode. double helix. Double helix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely way to go man that's uh, one of my favorite episodes okay. I, have, I have cookie in my mouth sorry <laughs> i didn't know you were going to call on me <laughs> okay so yeah so uh double helix so in that one we established that the Than had the third largest fleet in the in the galaxies i think i, I think that's the fact that stands out in my mind um maybe it's not third maybe it's second maybe it's fourth i don't know but anyway the fan well see, fleet that's just... one on me
0: i remembered the episode i did not remember that detail. Okay.
1: But we know that the Than fleet is something to be reckoned with, mm-hmm. and in here we get a. It, it, we've seen them in, in other episodes where they've been active, mm-hmm. and they are a threat. But here we got to actually see them in action, and why they can tear some stuff up. Yeah, it again. So this whole drift, massive drift, gets just shredded by the Than fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andromeda almost destroyed. The ship's coming apart, as Dylan says. Mm-hmm. And and then they ap
0: they, anti anti proton
1: explosion destroys a whole asteroid. Yeah, I mean. that's like five times the size of Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are these are uh, these are nasty bugs. They can be. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I I think that was something interesting to see is the the fan fleet in action. Mm-hmm. We've had it eluded that they're powerful, and we've had it eluded that they they can do damage, but then to actually see them in action here, and I thought it was interesting. They do not communicate. With their prey. Right. With their victims.
0: Well, and I'm wondering about that. Do they not? Or is it just in this circumstance? Because they're dealing with uh, basically an epidemic.
1: Yeah. And so it's just... No, I very much think that it's in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. When they were threatening the drift with the corrupt Cheechin, and I forget the, the Cheechin's name. But anyway, when they were threatening threatening that drift, mm-hmm. okay, they were communicating with them. Right. They, they warned them. Hey, mm-hmm. you know... We're, we're give us the heart, or we're going to take you out. Right. Well, it, so they they warned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But here, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's the circumstance. Right. There's no warning, zombies. <laughs> exactly. They're dead already. Mm-hmm. Just burn them up hey, and like take them out. Dylan said it. If they're dead, just kill them again. Yeah. yeah. Right. But what I what I think is interesting is though is the Andromeda is an ally. Mm-hmm. And you think that there might be some preferential treatment, mm-hmm. but no, right. The thing we're not going to give preferential treatment. It is uh, burn this infection out, mm-hmm. regardless of who isn't possibly. Right. Don't don't even
0: pick up the phone.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's there's quite a few things I was wondering about that because we the show opens on they're on a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. There's never really, at least if there was, and I've I've watched this through. Um, well three times now mm-hmm. and i have not caught why they're there right um did they get a distre- a distress call did they just happen upon it like the andromeda just seems to do sometimes yeah. um and if that's the case if they did receive a distru- uh, if they did receive a distress call or if they just happened upon it okay they jump into action well obviously there's no Than ships attacking it at the time right or else they're going to be like, hey, buddies, Than, that we're friends with, what's going on? Right? They're there. They're getting all these people off the ship. And then all of a sudden, the, sh- the Than show up mm-hmm. and, and start bombing them. Yeah. A um, couple questions. Who were the first ones to attack this drift? I think we're supposed to assume it was the Than. Why did they leave and give Andromeda that window to show up and start trying to rescue people? Um, was it just one or two fan ships that, that flew up and said, oh, we've got a problem here, and they just started hitting it? And they were like, okay, let's double back and go get the rest
1: of the fleet. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going on here? I, I mean, you could write the story and say, yeah, scout ships hit it first and then realized it was too big a job. I, I guess you could. Let's go get the big boys with the a- yeah. anti-proton weapons and, and finish this up. Okay. Yeah, you could do that. So, so why didn't anyone do that? I I know. Well I mean that's that's we're we're da- we're dipping dangerously close to what we thought about this episode now
0: well, no, I don't think so <laughs> I just... think yes, okay because okay. it's a problem for me all right
1: <laughs> okay, all right Sorry. because there's no exposition right there is no setup mm-hmm. there is no reason for why they're there It's just they're on a rescue mission, and then the fans show up mm-hmm well, events had to take place before that. We kind of need to know what those were in order for this to be a complete story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have that. Mm-hmm. And f- okay, for that reason I have I kind of have a problem with this episode. Okay. Okay. Well, then let's let's pull it back then for a minute. Let's talk about
0: Romy and her motherly instinct.
1: Yes. Yeah, because I I think we we learned a lot about several of our characters. Yeah. And so, yeah, let's start with Rami. Okay.
0: And there's a lot to talk about, Rami, in this episode. But that was one of the first things that it she, she like a mother would do, um, just covered that child with her body. Mm-hmm. Shielded that child with her body. Yeah. Just like a mother would do. But she always refers to herself as just a warship. That's all she knows how to do is military and kill, conquer. That's all she's about. Yet here she is shielding this child with her body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the extension of Rami the android. Whereas the other, the hologram and the ship itself, don't really seem to
1: to have that sort of a motherly nurturing quality. Right. And I think that has something to do with the fact that Rami is present in the situation mm-hmm. whereas the hologram and the ship interface they can't interact they couldn't interact with the crew they can't interact with other people on other locations but that's something unique to, to Rami to the, mm-hmm. to the android and so yeah yeah obviously that's that emotional center whatever programming that is mm-hmm. it's it kicked in right well then maybe
0: Rami wants to be a mother Maybe in a future episode, I'm just throwing this out there, maybe she will create her own offspring, Android, and name it LOL or something. I don't know. I'm just making <laughs> stuff,
1: you know. I was going to say, you would know better than me. Uh-oh. But the LOL references, <laughs> it, that's out. Oh. That's already been done. That's somewhere else. Okay. Another series. Uh, we're talking about
0: Star Trek again, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Sorry.
1: No, I think it was interesting, The the emotional... Really, the existential conversation that Rami has mm-hmm. with herself, with right. with the ship, the hologram. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that to be very interesting because we really haven't we haven't looked at Rami uh, in in the last several episodes. Really, mm-hmm. as far as exploring her character and, and her the nature of her existence, right? And we and we got to delve into that a bit more. It's interesting how the ship isn't attached to whoever's on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but that used to not be the case because wasn't it the ship? Wasn't it the holographic yep. interface that expressed the interest in Dylan to begin with? Yeah. 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 So I, I think in, in talking with Ann Vare, I, I, she talked about the fact that the differences in the different aspects of Rami and the personality were different areas that were partitioned off. So I guess the hologram or the ship partitioned off that emotional interest in Dylan and attachment and love? I guess portion okay. that off into the android? You know what? This is starting to come back to mind. This is what
0: is kind of confusing then now, is because with the the changing of the guard, so to speak, in, in the, the production of this show, and and the writing sort of kind of going away from... Because didn't Ethley Ver tell us that the hologram aspect of Rami was supposed to be, like, the the mother, whereas yes. the on-screen was more the father, the more stern, disciplinarian type, and then the android was kind of like our child Rami. Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so child Rami's all grown up. She wants to be a mother now. Okay. <laughs> I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, she's she's fallen in love, right? Yep. So I guess now
1: her positronic clock is ticking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, I I think that's interesting how we've seen how the ship is the ship and the android are separate and distinct, mm-hmm. and so really the the android is having to struggle with the emotions that have been partitioned off into its its memory its, into its programming. Mm-hmm.
0: You know what? Let's talk about uh, that conversation a little bit uh, between uh, Rami and the hol- hologram Rami. Okay. That whole exchange right there, Android Rami is talking about how just I'm going to paraphrase this whole thing, just how how sad it is that humans just live for compared to them just 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 for a moment in time, and then and then they're gone. Hologram Rami, she's like, "What?" And this bothers you. And Android Rami's like, "Yeah, because I've grown attached to these people." You know, and so but what I'm wondering is, did Hologram Rami or did Starship Rami, did they forget about what happened after their first encounter with the Magog? Their crew, their captain, everyone was wiped out and she was completely lost, had no idea what to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wandering around Slipstream. Did she forget that? Just, Must just how have. how hopeless and how lost she was without her humans. Yeah. Must have. I mean she All was... of that got blocked out anyway.
1: Yeah, but she remembers now. Does she? Oh yeah, it all came back. Uh surely Harper stuffed that back into that bottle, or whatever that was.
0: If we're having this
1: conversation now, then he had to have. Mm, That seems dangerous (laughs) to stuff that back in a bottle. I mean, because... Yeah, you hold that deep inside and and it festers and becomes a tumor and and then you die from it.
0: Yeah, but it already exploded, though. (laughs) Okay. So, and everyone almost died. True. I I would think you would just leave that out of the bottle so that that never happens again. Yeah.
1: But yeah, obviously, uh, there's a little memory loss there, too. Yeah, for, for for ship Rami to be, to or be is like, it, yeah, it's, there's going to be a yeah. changing in the guard. Or is it memory loss for the writers? Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tear. I think it's touching how Tear um, he backs down from murdering hundreds of refugees mm-hmm. in order to save Becca. Right. I, I thought that was a touching moment.
0: Um, twice in this episode, Tear backs down. Yes, he does. And both times, very, I want to say uncharacteristic. Yes. Or do we now want to say very characteristic?
1: That's the question I have for you. Okay. Because the the other instance being when he leaves the fan. Right. He leaves the battle. The crippled chips. Yeah, and Rami Rami calls him out. Just well, why would you do this? Just push the button. And his his response. That's a very good question. Mm-hmm. So what's happened with tear? Tears getting soft. Is that it? He seems to be okay. Is this something that we're going to address more going into this, the end of the second and possibly into the third season? I don't know. You know, he almost seems kind of reluctant
0: (laughs) when, um, because when he says, okay, let's just space them all. And Dylan's like, okay, so Becca too? Yeah. Because, you know, she's one of them. Mm -hmm. There's a very, very long pause and a hem-haw about it until he finally decides, okay, well, we could try your
1: way. Yeah. So, I kind of wonder what's going on in his head. I know, because it, at every other moment where things are going badly, he's always the one pointing out, it's your fault that we're in this situation because mm-hmm. you're a softie. Right. Well, yeah. Did we not just have the conversation where you backed down mm-hmm. because of either second-guessing your conviction to just space them all? Mm-hmm. You know what? What happened? What is happening with Tear? Is, is is my question?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, he did say a few episodes back that. uh Well, he's several times mentioned about accused Dylan of wanting to bend the universe to his will, mm-hmm. and Tear is doing the same. And he's he's kind of indicated that right now things are working for him. Uh Working with Dylan is kind of like their their idea of what the the shape of the universe I think that's what he, that's the expression yeah. he uses the shape of the universe their ideas are are kind of very the same right now mm-hmm. so yeah so I think it's kind of he's he's kind of seeing Dylan's side of things a lot more clearly than maybe he had say at the beginning of season one right right. No, that that much is obvious. Okay. Yeah. And and maybe we know that he's he's capable of friendship. He was clearly upset when uh, Farrar was killed. Yeah. Okay. He called him his friend. Mm-hmm. He seemed to get over it pretty quickly, but <laughs> yeah. but he was he was distraught at the idea of Farrar being killed. Yeah. And now he seems distraught at the idea of Becca
1: yeah. being killed i I just I feel like what we're seeing out of tier right now is in these two instances in this episode this is very un-Nietzschean. yeah and and so i I feel like I really do hope the writers address this I would like to see tier uh, resolve some of these issues that, that have that are now part of him mm-hmm. he, he's let the crew get to him and, and and what i think is interesting about it is is the actor keith hamilton cobb is playing this very interestingly he's playing it very well i think in the fact that he's being put in these positions and it's Nietzschean, and he's being forced to act Nietzschean, and he doesn't like it mm-hmm. he gets snippy he gets angry mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and at moments where he can express that anger he does it very well right um we revisit uh Becca with her problem her yeah. addiction. Yeah. Um, it's very brief yeah. but we're reminded that it's still there. And I think that should be the conversation as well. He, very brief.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean and I I've fortunately I have never um suffered from any sort of uh, substance addiction. So I I don't understand you know, I, I, so I, I I speak from this some from some as the point of view of someone who doesn't understand the problem. So I'm wondering if is this is this something that happens a lot? People who um, who suffer from addiction when they have uh, when they need medical attention, do they refuse? Is this a common thing? Do they refuse um, medications because they're afraid they're going to get hooked on it again? I don't know about that. I really don't. Okay, because what I'm wondering is she she wants to give her a stimulant. Yeah. She's not saying I'm going to give you Flash.
1: Right. <laughs> it, but the, but this is going to help you stay awake. Right. This yeah. is
0: something that's probably going to save your life and keep you from falling asleep and then succumbing to this terrible parasite and then you're going to die. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It's, just, it's It seems strange to me. And again, I don't understand. I'm trying to tiptoe around this because I know... That I don't understand and I don't want to offend people listening who who do understand and yep. and are are thinking, Ryan, you're way off base on this, you don't know what you're talking about because I don't know what I'm talking about but but I'm just wondering can can you not have something that's not flash that's still going to help you and that's not going to get you
1: hooked back on flash? well apparently she thinks not and and, and here's the problem, okay, I'm right there with you okay I have no idea, okay. But apparently, she knows enough about herself, so that any kind of stimulant, anything that's going to give her a rush, is a danger. Okay. Here's the thing: I I think the lesson that you can take away from that is when somebody tells you, uh, "You know what? I'm going to pass." Mm-hmm. Respect it. Okay. Don't force anything on them if they don't. If they if if they know something about themselves and they say no, don't force it on them. Okay. I I think that's. That's the lesson that I take away from that. Okay, not knowing how stimulants versus flash affect the human body, mm-hmm. which is a completely hypothetical discussion anyway. Right, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah,
0: but I mean, it, it, I mean, flash is kind of an analog
1: though to to more modern day drugs. I would like to bring up. Oh, okay. I, I just want to ask this. Uh, Dylan is becoming an action slash one liner character mm. yeah i'm just gonna bring this up at this point because it's it seemed very front and center in this episode and i don't like it okay <laughs> is this gonna be part of the conversation going forward well i don't know harper had quite a few one-liners well yeah but the harper's always had the one-liners i don't feel like dylan has had the one-liners as often
0: right you know this this episode specifically i think had quite a few of these very cliched one-liner kind of things because of the zombie aspect maybe but even just not the zombies themselves there were just a lot of things it's just like you you hear this stuff all the time and it's very overdone um i actually wrote one of them down at the very beginning when becca is is getting infected let's say um, she's trying to resuscitate the dead man and and she keeps telling him, Breathe, breathe and then trance has to say, He's dead, Becca. You know? I mean it's just kind of one of those kind of cheesy cliched things from like a, a medical drama or something, or they're just like they're fighting, they're come on, come on, live, breathe. It's over. It's over you know He's dead, Jim. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And so I don't know. It, it, but there was that one, and then like right after that one, Harper, they get started. They start getting attacked by the fan, and Harper says, "What did we ever do to them?" Yes. You know. And it just came off as very cheesy one-liner, cliched kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and you're right, Harper. He's always good for a handful of those every episode. Mm-hmm. Um. As far as Dylan, whether or not this is going to be a thing that just keeps on happening. I can't answer that right now. I think this episode, from the beginning, was just full of them.
1: Okay. All right, I'll accept that. Okay. But I think I'm going to be curious to see if we come back to this discussion again. All right. All right. All right. And, I guess, save it for last,
0: trance. Yeah. So, some pretty big trance stuff. The elephant in the room. Yeah. So... (laughs) The The gold elephant in the room. I was going to say, the question has finally been asked, why is trance gold? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the answer? Deflected. We don't know. No. In normal trance fashion.
1: Yes. Why don't you just guess? But even more interesting. Yeah. Was the conclusion that Dylan came to. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in thinking about what has been going on this whole latter half of the episode, the fact that Trance was taken over so quickly, mm-hmm. and then he he comes to that realization, uh, you can only take over people that have died. So the conclusion he comes to is, Trance isn't alive? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. So I think that was interesting. Yeah. Um, Which, considering how she has been quote-unquote dead right how many times has she died now a couple times three or four yeah at least a couple that i can think of so yeah now she's just not alive to begin with okay that kind of fits (laughs) but wow this brings up questions you know what here's another
0: problem that with dylan because he he is always looking for this answer about trance who are you or what are you? What is your agenda? What are you up to? When she wakes up after Dylan kills her, she wakes up. <laughs>
1: right. Okay. <laughs>
0: you, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she wakes up and and he's like, "You that really scared me. Um, and she's like, I can explain. Basically, she's like, so here's what's going on. Dylan, who always wants to know, he's like... Not right Not now. Not right now. <laughs> I'm like, um, hey, wait a minute. Maybe, yeah, right now. Yeah. Let's go ahead and... You, you want to talk? Yeah. Okay. No. He shuts her down. They they fix all the sick people, being him and Trance, or uh, him Becca. and Becca. Yeah. And then, hey, so by the way, Trance, let's talk about this whole you being whatever you are. And then, again, in... Normal trance fashion she just deflects it. Are you dead or alive? Yes is that does that mean she's dead and alive or is that she's that she's dead or alive?
1: well I, I yeah I guess I guess what we have to acknowledge is that trance exists on a whole other plane of existence yeah
0: well I, I I guess the only thing I can try to compare that to is like if like if I'm to ask you um, Ethan, are you a boy or a girl? Yes, okay. But I'm asking you, which one are you? Not if you are a boy or are you, or a girl, because you're obviously okay. one of them. All right,
1: so, so we think that through. If I answer simply yes, then I am one or the other, or I am both. I am something beyond what yeah. can be described as boy or girl. Well,
0: see, that's that's what, we don't know which version of that question she's answering. Right. <laughs> Again, she's just, she's playing. Yeah. She's playing around. Yeah. Like Trance always does. Mm-hmm. So, in the end, we still don't know
1: anymore. We really don't. We, other than the fact that there is a question as to whether or not she is a living being, right? Okay, or maybe she has been a living being. If I, she's dead, I, I will take that and wait for the next little tidbit when okay. it comes along. All right, but she was going to explain it all. Uh,
0: was she? Was she <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. No. No. Dance of the mayflies, Ethan. Blink and it's gone, a moment, a breath. A dance of the mayflies just long enough for a lifetime. That's the quote for this episode. Yep. Yeah. That's a Yulatimpa poetess. Yeah, yeah.
1: Another another phrase by her. Right.
0: From Rhythms, CY9825. Okay. So anyway, what deep, impactful meaning do you take from that quote?
1: Um, well, other than the fact that it's, it is shown up in literature, the Mayf- the life of the mayfly is so short and so fleeting. And I think that, you know, all it does is tie directly into the, the existential problem that Rami runs into. And, and, and realizing that the crew and the people that are closest and most dear to her... Uh, they aren't. They aren't bulletproof. Mm-hmm. They're not going to last forever. It won't be long. Uh, at least in her, in her relative lifetime, it won't be long, and they'll be gone. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really great uh, question that Rami brings up there at the end. That has to do with this quote, right? She asked the question of Dylan: How do you do it? Mm-hmm. How do humans do it? In that, you know. At the heart of all sci-fi and literature and, and whatever it is that, that interests you, uh, that is the question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How do we go through life? How do we do th- the things that we do and why? Mm-hmm. And as cheesy as it was, I, I find a lot of truth in the answer that Dylan gives. It's love. Mm-hmm. you know. And uh, from what little bit I know about the show and what we've seen so far and where I know it's going... And what I know the creator of the show intended for it, love is a theme that, you know, is woven throughout all of this, mm-hmm. this series. And so it's a simple answer, um, but it's a truthful answer as far as the show is concerned. And, you know, not to get you know into it too much, but in in life, in real life, yeah, love is, is kind of the center of it all. Mm-hmm. And without it, yeah, you 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 do have to ask the question why? Right? Why do we do this? Why do we go through all the everything that we go through? <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, it, and it comes down to love. That's why we go through it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just just as far as as Rami's question about the whole thing, um, yeah. If if there, if it weren't for the love that people have for other people and the things that they love, there there would be no point in in families and friends um you know finding that that one for you or or having your family none of it matters um but we do that because we love all of those ones and we enjoy the time that we have with them even knowing that it's not going to last forever yeah there there's always that that in the back of your mind that this this could all be over. You know, something could happen. Maybe it's going to be one at a time. Just see all of your friends and loved ones just being picked off by death one at a time. It, yeah, you know.
1: What? Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I don't want to make this a discussion about your beloved Broncos that just that just won the Super Bowl. I wasn't going to even bring it up. But there was a moment where the question for a, a certain significant player was, you know, what is, what does the future bring right. for you? And his response was very much what we're talking about right here. <laughs> I'm just trying to hang on to the moment. Right. You hang on to the moment because, like you said, it can be gone in a flash. Right. Just like that. Just like the life of a mayfly. Hours. And, it, and it's gone forever. And, and that is the nature of our existence. Uh, as we live it right now, that is the nature of, mm-hmm. of being a human being. Right. Now, the Bokor actually
0: directly mention the mayflies. Um, and and they compare the human lives to their lives, Uh, The humans being just like the mayflies, just, they're here and they're gone. Um, And if you go ahead and let us take over your shells, then instead of living a mayfly's life, you can live on forever.
1: Yeah, I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Uh,
0: Uh, You can live on forever as a spore. As a spore. Until someone shocks you. As a memory. Seven, at the level eight. Yep. uh, Force Lance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I don't think this this quote really has any um real deep.
1: Well, I don't want to say it, it sets up the ideas that are discussed within the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it does a good job at that. Yeah.
0: I don't. I think we've probably talked about it longer than probably what it really Was merits. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot of truth in it. It's it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward as far as um, what it means to the episode and, like you said, what it means to real life, the, yep. the real life that we actually live in the real world. Remember that place? Yeah. yeah. Sadly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but anyway, enough of that. So, Ryan, let's, let's just, let's cap this off then. Okay. Dance of the Mayflies, episode 37 okay. of our discussion here. All right. What did you think of it? It was, an, it was a zombie episode.
0: <laughs> Is that it? That's what I think. I think it was a zombie episode. Um, I have never been... I know this probably sounds crazy for someone that's really into sci-fi, and fantasy kind of stuff, but I have never been a big zombie story fan. I never really liked any of... My favorite zombie movie ever was Shaun of the Dead. And it's not a serious zombie movie. And that's kind of why I like it. It's kind of poking fun at the zombie movies. I don't know if this is supposed to be poking fun at the zombie movies, but if it wasn't, then it didn't do a real good job of being a zombie <laughs> movie show. Yeah. Um. But anyway, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a zombie movie, and I'm not interested. I think it was it was mildly entertaining. And I guess for that, yeah. It was, kind of, it was kind of interesting to watch. I, I, there were a lot of questions, a lot of things unanswered that you don't understand why these things are going on. Um, why are the fan just going to go ahead and kill the Andromeda without uh, asking any questions, finding out, hey, what are you guys doing down there? You guys should probably get out. There's a plague. There's zombies down there. And, and and why were they still attacking Becca after she was already infected why are they trying to kiss everybody that's weird um, yeah there were a lot of problems with this episode but I don't think we were supposed to take it seriously and so for that I kind of give it a little bit of a pass if I was supposed to be taking it seriously then it failed miserably so, I guess, I don't know, on a scale of one to ten, I'd have to give this one about a three and a half.
1: Ooh, okay. All right. Well, I'll take the baton then. All right. Um, Becca states in at the end of the episode, she hates zombies. Mm-hmm. I hate zombie episodes. Oh, okay. So, uh, that's I've already alluded to the fact that I, I have problems with this episode. For exactly what you brought up there, the lack of exposition... In the situation that we find our crew in is troublesome, mm-hmm. and 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 those that lack of unanswered questions detracts from the episode. Now, the saving grace is the the existential questions that Rami deals with, and that she asks Dylan about at the end. And I think at the end, you could almost say this is a good episode because of the the truth in the discussion that they have, the real uh, or the reality that's in the discussion that they have there at the end of the episode. But it's not enough to save it because zombies. Right.
0: Well, don't you think that all of that that happened with Rami and Dylan could have very easily, it, it was not, it was not essential to the plot. No, it was a thing that happened. Yes. And that was a thing that could have happened in any, any other good episode. In a,
1: in a better episode. Yeah. Yes. And it would have made a better episode great. Probably, yeah. Um, as it is in this episode, it keeps it afloat. Yeah. And and makes it, um, I'm not going to say don't watch it, because if, if you like that discussion of existence and existentialism, mm-hmm. there's enough of it here right. that it makes that interesting. Mm-hmm but the rest of the episode is just poor. Right.
0: Well, I mean, part of that is uh, is a matter of perspective. If you like zombie movies,
1: well, yeah. Okay, and, I, and I will say you will watch this it. episode first. Like I said, I don't like zombie uh-huh. shows, movies, right. whatever.
0: Yeah. yeah. And they didn't destroy the heads. That's
1: another problem. This is yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you do like zombie movies, you're going to see some flaws in this episode yeah, and how I they go about so. things. So. Yeah.
0: so I guess whether you like zombies or not, It's a poor episode. It had problems.
1: Yeah. All right. Well. And I, too, would give it maybe a three. Oh, okay. So I I
0: gave it a little more than you did.
1: Okay. Yeah. Half a point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All the difference. (laughs) Oh, so, Ryan, that is our discussion of Dance of the Mayflies. Ethan, if somebody else has uh, has
0: some comments or... Or anything that they'd like to to bring up about this episode, or any other episode of Drive Back the Night, or episode of Andromeda,
1: how might they get in touch with us? Well, you can send us an email, and you can send that to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Podbean, that's where every
0: episode is located, www.andromedaseries.podbean.com.
1: And we're also on iTunes. Uh, you can find us there, Drive Back the Night Podcast. And if you do listen to us there, subscribe and give us some stars or a review. We'd certainly appreciate it. You know, a good review that someone could leave for
0: leave for us is that of all the podcasts I listen to, you're one of them. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> the best Andromeda podcast out there. <laughs> We've got we to be. We've got to be. We've got to be. Oh... Social media, we do that too. Yes, we do. We're on Facebook and Twitter using the handle at Andromeda Pod at both of those locations. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson who is back on the horse giving us the uh, opening quotes for the episode every week. Yep, he's going to be on through the rest of season two. We've already got him. All right, <laughs> and we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we look at the Andromeda episode in heaven now are three.